0: From the iHeart Radio studios in New York City, come fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things guns and roses and anything else distorted. Because you know where the fuck you
1: are! This is Appetite for Distortion. Try to- And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 45. My goodness, 45, my name is uh, Brando. Uh, on the line with me uh, now, because he's going to be my co-host slash uh, interview, and I just want you to, because if you hear bells and whistles in the background, it's not because I, you know, I'm in a quiet studio right now here in Tribeca, but on the line with me, I have Tyler Bryant uh, from, of course, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Where are you calling from, by the way, right now?
0: I'm I'm calling from my home studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Did you just say we were going to do a Slash interview?
1: <laughs> oh, uh, well, I wish I could do a Slash interview. I'm going to do, uh, you'll be my co-host, Slash, like, the actual word, not the noun.
0: Oh, okay, I see. I see.
1: Yeah, I know that the, the word Slash means different, uh, something different to us Guns N' Roses fan. I mean, like, the actual a Slash you'll see on a, a keyboard.
0: Yeah, okay, not, not, not quite as cool.
1: No, I mean I was lucky enough to interview Slash's uh, son uh, a few episodes ago, 15 years old, but um, which I thought right was cr- crazy. But you got an early start also to being a musician. But no, you're going to be my my co-host and interview. How about that? Is that that's that? There added, we go. I like it. All right, cool. So uh, what I like to do, uh, Tyler, at the beginning, and you, since you're my co-host, you're my Ed McMahon, you're Baba Booey, uh You can. Partake in whatever you want to do uh, because I call this segment, and I have very stupid sounds like a typical radio show, I guess. Instead of um, Shotgun Blues, because you know, of course, it's a GR song, and you, you being heavily influenced by the blues, I'd like to think maybe that's one of your favorite yeah. tunes. I don't know. Uh, but because I'm creative, I call this one Shotgun News. Shotgun News. Can't wait. Yeah, Tyler, get ready. This is what it's going to be <laughs> like. I'm a special Oh, speaker. I love it, man. <laughs> so, and actually, a lot of the, the news does involve uh, involve you, um, or bands, I should say, you opened up for. But first, uh, I want st- to first uh, thank Roxana Shirazi uh, of my interview last episode, episode 44. It got a lot of great and thought-provoking response from my listeners. Uh, in addition to that, I also put out, because I can't always get a rock star on here. I can't always get Tyler Bryant, someone to interview. Um it doesn't mean you always have, you won't have a great story. So I also put out there, Tyler, uh, that every, any person who has a good story to tell, of course, it has to relate somehow to Guns N' Roses, uh, they can be interviewed by me on this show, and I've done that before. I interviewed this guy from Ireland who's writing a book about his life and GNR, and it, it's cool. I want to hear more fan stories. So I've been getting a lot of messages from literally around the world. I'm sure a lot of places you've been playing uh, from people who just want to be interviewed on in my little Guns and Roses podcast. So that's that's cool. That's, that's awesome. Uh also a couple birthdays today. So you actually you're part of like the birthday show, I guess, Tyler. Uh it is first birthday uh 50 uh, 59 years young, that means Del James, uh GNR's road manager, and uh, of oh, course,
0: Del's birthday today.
1: Yeah, it's 59 years young, and of course, the the uh, inspiration behind November Rain and a lot of classics and and quite a, a follow on Twitter, very anti-Trump. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, and also uh, a birthday today for our our bassist, Duff McKagan, who's 54 years old today. Can you believe that? I feel
0: like a horrible GNR fan because I don't know any of this. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I only know from perusing Twitter. I'm lucky I know my mom's birthday, honestly, and she's not on Facebook. That's how I could tell my friends' birthdays. So I don't know about you. Yeah.
0: happy birthday duff
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so sad uh i i had no idea so uh it is very cool that because you're i like try to keep these things in real time a little bit these podcasts because i know they're pre-recorded but today being monday february 5th you know it's how can i neglect uh, a couple big uh, birthdays in the gnr universe um right but moving on to news uh that i guess i want to get your opinion on that does kind of involve you there was a, a statement released by uh, Brian Johnson, and you have opened up for ACDC, uh, that, yeah. and it sounds like he's officially done with ACDC. It's kind of uh, a bit heartbreaking uh, that he, he, well. sa- he said, quote, I, I had a great run. He just says uh, on stage it was getting harder and harder to hear the guitars, even uh, he, the, hear the keys, and it was basically going uh, on muscle memory, and he's not the kind of guy who likes to cheat. So the way he looks at yeah. it, he had a great run. So uh, I guess your well, your your reaction is I don't know if you've heard that because uh, it just came out uh, a couple days ago.
0: Well, you know, we we were um, out supporting ACDC on the Rocker Bust tour, and we we actually were um, you know on the tour for Brian Johnson's last ten shows, and I you know I thought I thought every night he sounded great. I mean, he's like he's got one of those voices that I grew up with—the voice. So like he could sing the alphabet and it's immediately going to take me to sure. you know the back in black record because like sonically the just like the characteristics all those like rock and roll characteristics he has in his voice and they're like part of you know what got me into rock and roll to begin with um but you know there there were a couple nights at the at the end of it where i believe it was actually it could have been in, it was in denver i think and they had just Won a uh, big football game. It might have been the Super Bowl. I don't. I don't remember. They'd won a big football game. Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm not much of a sports fan.
1: You like, know, the I Super don't... Bowl was yesterday, though, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I. I heard that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. My. My question is, who's playing the halftime show? And that's like, you know, whether or not I'm going to tune in or not. Right. But um, well,
1: I want to get into that too with you later.
0: Yeah, let's do it. But um, yeah, man. And so there was. I just remember there were a couple nights where. You know, he would he would kind of like walk over to the side of the stage and, you know, get someone to look at his ear and pack to make sure they were going good or, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, there, I remember him verbally saying, like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you, have to help me, you know, to, to the audience. And I never had a conversation with Angus about it. I never had a conversation with Ryan about it. You know, it's like it's just one of those things where as a fan of ACDC, I, I couldn't tell that much much was wrong except for maybe one or two times and you know that could have been played off as a technical difficulty so you know i i I think that a lot of people wanted it to be some big conspiracy like there was something that went on behind the scenes like i honestly don't know you know and that's that's the beauty of that camp and acdc is they there's so much mystery that they've been able to retain in the age of information like right now we're doing a podcast Right now, we don't know what Angus is doing. He's probably, like, in a basement somewhere writing a riff or drinking tea and smoking a cigarette, you know? But I hope so. That's kind of... That's, like, one of the best things about that band, and, you know, you have people... You know, like, there was that comedian who came out... I don't... What was the guy's name? I remember, um, Brewer or something like that. Jim Brewer? And Brewer? Yeah, and it caused a whole shitstorm because he, you know, he spoke out...
2: Oh, right. you know
0: ...about stuff, and, and like... You know, I, I can't do that because I really don't know, man. I mean, I, I was there and, and we watched every second of a, every ACDC show, you know, that we did pretty much. You know, there were like a couple times there's like you go backstage to fix a drink or, you know, to say hey, hey to somebody. But um, I thought Brian sounded great. And, you know, there were a few moments where he seemed like he was kind of going like, Hey, I'm sorry, I I can't hear you. Have to help me, and luckily they had the hits, and the in the audience would sing every word right along with him. So I mean, it, I thought he sounded great, and you know, it was nice as could be to to us, and yeah, I mean, I, I wish him all the best. I heard that he came out and sang some recently.
1: Yeah, Nah he um, did. So it it maybe. You know, it's hard to say when you maybe like like Steve Perry had those vocal issues and he just can't perform the way that he did, but he can kind of go out sometimes. And I liken right. the this a little bit to uh, David Lee Roth. I mean, he can't sing the way that he used to, but the last time I saw them. On their on their reunion tour, uh, he was great. But then the criticism was that he wasn't the same. But for me as a fan and liking it, uh, likening it to you with Brian Johnson, he could sing the ABCs, David Lee Roth, and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't notice probably. Um, right. And it's weird because you mentioned the, the camp and ACDC, and this again ties into this podcast and ties into you. And it's like I planned all of it. Uh, that the ACDC camp can keep things a secret nowadays, and it's like that with Guns N' Roses, very famously. And now yes. the, the Axl DC mix. So uh, this just came out. It might have been a report a day or two ago, and I appreciate my listeners kind of bringing it to my attention before I found it. So, you know, I, I like when my listeners are kind of like my producers and give me stories. Uh, but this I know.
0: Is... I, I think my guitar tech sent me what you're about to say. Is it? Today, I believe.
1: Is it the ACDC biographer Murray uh, Engelhart uh, said? Um, Speculate all you want, and he said this in a Facebook post. Uh, but I've said it before, and I'll say it again. ACDC will continue on Axel on vocals, new album, touring the whole nine yards. I hope this is true. I was very. Um, you know, I'm a fan of both bands, but I you know, and I've gone over this before. I got to see Axel dc when they played the Madison Square Garden and I'm a massive fan. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'm excited for this. I hope this is true. Uh, do you know anything of this?
0: Um, I I mean, I haven't heard I haven't heard anything from, you know, either either camp really. You know, I I think that you know, just pure spe- speculation based on Axel's history like because we, like, let me, let me just um, sort of, like, set up this story. We, sure. were, we were in Nashville. We were packing up all of our gear, getting our crew ready. We were going to kick back off. We had, it was, you know, they had canceled a show or something like that. We ended up with a, a couple days off. Um, I, think, I think maybe Brian John, one of Brian Johnson's friends had passed and he had to go somewhere. And this ended up being the end of Brian Johnson with ACDC, as we would know it. And so we got a call from our manager going, he said, hey, you know, the ACDC tour is postponed and potentially canceled. Um, Brian Johnson is no longer with ACDC. He's no longer the singer. And I couldn't even wrap my head around that idea. Right. I was like, what do you mean, Brian? (laughs) Like, "Like, like, what?
1: There's no Santa? What
0: is this? Yeah, and exactly, and so uh, it's like mommy's a zombie, and so we started like kind of freaking out because you know this was our entire summer. We had to, you know, we were heading to Atlanta the next day with them. We were supposed to be playing in Atlanta the next day, and then you know we were going to finish the American tour and go on to Europe with them. And so it was kind of like you know we, you know, obviously were hoping that Brian was okay and that everything was okay and everyone was safe and healthy. But also like selfishly going, shit, how are we going to make the money that we thought we were going to make to like pay our bills and like keep going this summer? Because we, we had literally, can't we'd, we were on a tour with Billy Gibbons. We had left that tour to go do the ACDC tour and Billy was cool and supported it. And we had canceled a bunch of festival dates, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout, the, you know, the year because our year was going to be with ACDC. So we you got to go take that chance. You got to take
1: that opportunity. I mean, Billy Gibbons is great. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, and, and 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 thank God for all these promoters who were like, dude, if you get to play ACDC, do it, man. But we, could, it was too late. Like, all the gigs were booked. All the slots were filled. So we mm. were kind of going, well, what do we do? Like We just resume being a band next year, <laughs> the whole thing. And then we started, we couldn't get information out of anybody, man. Like, I don't think the agents were getting info. I don't think, like, our manager wasn't getting much info. And then, like, one day it was... ACDC's in Atlanta and they're trying out singers and that was the other like what? (laughs) ACDC's trying out singers? You know? And um, then there was like the leaked photo of Axel leaving and I just remember immediately like calling uh, Caleb the drummer in the Shakedown, going like dude if Axel Rose does this he's literally going to have the biggest balls in rock and roll because you know that those fans like we we were we were there um, in Portugal the first night that Axel sang with ACDC, and that was that was whenever Axel became familiar with the shakedown and the next day we got an email from our agent calling, um, and, you know Axel heard you guys and and uh, you need to do some guns mm-hmm. you're gonna do some Guns and Roses date.
1: You're gonna do there wasn't right. even like an option. they even asked you you're gonna do it.
0: Well, it was just like it's going to be. A, it's going to be a possibility if you oh, okay. if, if you guys want to do it, which they knew. We, they, you know, there are like a few bands that they say yes to without even talking to us. And obviously, GNR is one one of them. <laughs> um, so, but we we were kind of like gauging the the crowd, and and people were ready to barbecue Axel, mm. and he came out, the, and he was still in the in the throne at that point, and he he killed it, and he proved that he's got the biggest balls in rock and roll because the, the whole world, like the, all the press, everyone was ready to, to tear him apart. And, and, and you know what respect for Angus too, to keep going, because it, like he was in a situation where it was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Right. Because the, you know, like all those ticket holders would have been frustrated and pissed off if they couldn't have gone to the show, if the show got canceled and was never made up, you know? And so it it was just like one of those things where, I think Angus and Axel came together and kept and kept it going. I mean, just just as Brian and Angus did whenever Bond died, right? So oh, exactly, it's, it's sort of like the story of ACDC. It's you know, the world needs those riffs. The world needs those songs. And you know, if if you know, who knows what goes on. But I'm just glad that the tour happened because I I watched it. You know,
2: <laughs>
0: hundreds of thousands, if not, you know. <laughs> Well over a million people have a really great time <laughs> every night when they were because that's as soon as they came out with rocker bust on the like in Portugal we went all right great tour saved Axel saved the tour Angus saved the tour it's done <laughs>
1: it, it really so was so, something it else surprised me
0: yeah I gu- I, I guess me. not Axel doesn't try to solidify his spot in the ACDC legacy I I can't you know I have no idea what, what they're gonna try to do. Um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me because he's you know he's a bona fide rock star and he's he's not scared of of going for it which he's proven to us.
1: You know, Bon Scott asked, "Who's got the biggest balls of them all?" I guess all these years later, it might be Axl Rose. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> We've got the biggest
0: balls of all. Yeah, might might be, man. Yeah, I was just uh, I, you know, like I said, from a personal standpoint, like. And I and I've I've talked to Axel and and just thanked him. You know, I wrote him a, a little thank you note at the end of the, at the end of the first tour, being like, dude, like we literally thought we were so screwed, you know, and and you stepped up and saved our summer. So I'm thanking you on behalf of our landlords for <laughs> stepping up and you know taking on this role.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, I can't even imagine. And I, that's I guess. So we'll, we'll end our shotgun news segment here and get into more of the Tyler Bryant news. Uh, but since you were involved in some of these ACDC GNR happenings, um, I, you know, I just can't imagine what's going through your mind, you know, let alone to like, how do we even how did you even get there? You know, that's that in itself is such a weird situation. Hey, I'm on this ACDC tour, but now they're changing singers. It's going to be Axel. That sounds like a weird dream. But there are so many years before that for you. And I mentioned uh, before I went and interviewed uh, London Hudson. He was only 15, you know, a drummer, I believe, slash his uh, 13-year-old son, Cash. I think he said, you know, dabbles with the keyboards. I know, I don't think he's taking it seriously. Uh, But reading about you, and again, of course, everything on the Internet is true. So I want you to clarify these things. Naturally. Uh, You got your first guitar at six. Is that true?
0: Yeah, six or seven, something like that it it you know it only had a couple strings on it but i was obsessed with elvis so it was enough for me to carry it around and pretend i was elvis so i was i was working on the persona before i was working on actually playing you know okay. and um, i had an identity crisis where i believed i was elvis i would write elvis on all my school papers <laughs> i dyed my hair black or well, my mom dyed my hair black and i would wear a leather jacket to school and my dad had one of his friends would that would pick me up on a Harley and I would get to ride on the back of a Harley, you know, the school with my leather jacket on. And I just, like, I was just kind of obsessed with rock and roll and the, you know, the way that Elvis came off, like came across to me. Cause I saw a video of him in music class whenever school still had music classes. Mm. Um, and it, that kind of changed everything for me. And, um, I found out that I wasn't Elvis one sad day and (laughs) I've kind of spent the rest of my life trying to make Tyler cool. And yeah, man, it just like the, the acoustic guitar led to, um, kind of an obsession with, with music. I learned a couple tunes. And, um, I remember my, my parents had, um, bought me a dirt bike for Christmas and like, like right after that, I went into a guitar shop and, Heard this man named Roosevelt Twitty playing, and immediately put the dirt bike up for sale, <laughs> so I could try to put a uh, electric guitar on layaway, and uh, probably one of the better things I ever did. And yeah, just just kind of been downhill from there. <laughs>
1: downhill, yeah, that's one way of uh, of putting it. So you grew up in Texas. So so was it like the influence of your parents that got you into Elvis? Was your dad a big fan of the King, or like how did you find? music i guess because you're Well, that, that was
0: just in music class cause, so that's you know, all it was my, my, okay yeah yeah um the the music teacher her name was renee witcher and she had a guitar and she would occasionally play for the class and she was big into bluegrass so we heard some of that And man i can't i like i wish that school still had that going on because that was such an eye-opening experience for me to be in school you know in those formative years and to see videos of elvis and to see uh videos of bb king and stuff like this and you know i didn't really i didn't know much about blues or or rock and roll but i like whenever i heard that i kind of that was sort of me getting my feet wet in that world and um yeah just my parents my parents listen to a lot of country music if if music at all okay because they you know like i grew up in the south and uh, my dad's you know just a, a really hard-working guy my mom's a school teacher and You know, does other odd jobs and stuff to make ends meet. So it wasn't there. There wasn't really a lot of time for them to play uh, music for me growing up. But I kind of once I found it, they were they were very supportive in like in me sort of chasing it. And wouldn't really like knock on my door if I was in there like studying records. You know, because that's that became the the thing was I just would try to get as many records as I could and soak up as much of them as I could.
1: Now, are they records for you? Because one of the things I like to do on this podcast, and, you know, it, it has that Guns N' Roses nucleus, and just to see where we can go, it's that six degrees of Kevin Bacon, G&R Bacon, whatever, uh, that you're you're 26, right? Are you 26? Yeah, I'm 26. All right, so I'm, I'm 34. Turned 34 in September. So for me, growing up, I still had cassettes, and I would find music on CDs. I mean, uh, MTV still played music, but, you know, like interviewing London Hudson... It's like, how? What? Is, how did his friends find music? It's all SoundCloud rappers. So I'm like amazed and thankful that there are young teenagers that play blues and plays rock. So what was it for you? Did you have an actual vinyl collection, or did you, you know, were you the the Napster days? Like, how did you, you know, were you downloading BB B. King and and uh, and? Uh, what? No, man,
0: it was it was it was uh, record stores. Okay. You know, in in Par- like I grew up in a small town called Honey Grove, Texas, and I think about it probably would be about 24 miles from the Honey Grove, you know, city limit line. There was a record shop called Hastings, which was a chain that I think since has gone out of business. Um but I would go I would go to Hastings and and they had, you know, an assortment of blues and rock and country and um, you know, modern music. I went through a punk rock phase, so you know, or we'd go to Sherman, Texas. They had a shopping mall there. There was nothing in my town, but in neighboring towns they had malls and stores and stuff and you know you would try to find a kid who looked like he was over 18 and you give him you know give him your lunch money so he could go and buy you a no effect cd that had the parental advisory logo on it or you know the stuff that i couldn't buy because i was too young um and then i you know and then i would find these punk rock records and i would hide them in my mom's songs for worship cd covers or something (laughs) so she wouldn't see that i was actually listening to like you know, punk and drublick by NoFX or something like that.
1: Hey, what's so wrong with parents good. today? Exactly, like NoFX said. What's
2: the matter with parents today?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I was into like, I was getting into punk rock, and because that that was something I could relate to with the kids I was growing up okay. with. And then, on complete, on the other hand, I met this man named Roosevelt Twitty when I was eleven, who was the real deal Texas blues man, and he asked me in holly bond music store in paris texas he said do you like the blues and i said well i don't don't really know what blues is and, and but what he was playing was the blues and i said well if that's it then yeah i, I like it and he started um you know just kind of showing me things like i my i ran into him again and that's whenever my mom got his phone number and he said if he wants to learn to play i'll teach him and, and he became one of my best friends um and we started we started a band together called the Blues Buddies. Just he and I, and we travel around and play together. And you know, some other some other cats joined, and you know, we just we had so much fun traveling around Texas playing blues together. We'd play for three, four hours at a time, um, just traditional blues songs. And he he turned me on to Freddie King and uh, Elmo James and Muddy Waters and Lyman Hopkins, and you know that that was a huge game changer for me. Um, so that kind of took me out of rock and roll for a second. And then, I, you know, I kind of learned about rock and roll as it happened because I I learned about the guys that Angus and Slash were listening to before I really dove into GNR, or ACDC, or Jimi Hendrix, or Johnny Winter, or any of those guys. So, yeah, man, it, it was just, I, I was in the right place at the right time to, to meet Mr. Twitty because it opened up so many doors musically for me.
1: It sounds like it. It sounds like you found your, you know, Mister Miyagi, or it was some sort of divine rock intervention uh, to, to lead you down that, that path. So when did yeah, you? absolutely. So when did you decide to to leave Texas and make this, uh, you know, kind of a career choice for you? We're like, hey, this is this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to be a BMXer, you know. I'm not going to, um, you know, study become a dentist. I want this is what I want to do for my with my life.
0: Uh, I was I was 17 years old when I decided that I was that I was out and um, that's the age you can legally move out in Texas you know that you're considered an adult able to make your own decisions and I kind of told my parents like listen I was a junior in high school at the time and I couldn't imagine going to school for another year I had one credit left to get and I was like I have to go to Nashville I have to start a band I like I can't wait I know what I'm meant to do I have to do it and um, I just told my parents I said hey listen I'm never gonna ask you for money. I don't. I don't want any help. I don't want anything for you, from you, except for you to just support me. I'm gonna drop out of high school and I'm moving to Nashville next week.
2: Mm.
0: And I'd like, you know, put together on a dry erase board or something like that. This is what I'm gonna to do to make money. And if I can just, and I have this much money saved up from doing concerts around Texas with the blues band, and it's like, so this is enough to sustain me for a little bit, and I'll figure it out, and I'm gonna do it. And,
1: so you, you put but, on, like, a presentation for them? Kind of like a... a, yeah, bo- a bo- yeah,
0: pretty much. Just because I, you know, I had my mind made up that I was gonna do it, but my parents have always been so supportive that I didn't want to just, like, turn my back on them, and you know, I, I wanted them to be behind me because that would be a, a long 10-hour drive, you know, knowing that that the people who sort of supported you were hurt. Um, And my mom's a school teacher, too, so dropping out of school (laughs) probably wasn't the best look.
1: Yeah, did she, when Um, you first said that, did she die a little inside, or did she force a smile? (laughs) Probably.
0: probably. Um, But so what I I did was I found a way to enroll in, like, an online course through this university to get my last credit. And I didn't go to school one day my senior year. And I moved to Nashville and I started the shakedown. We were on tour. We were playing with heart the night before all of my friends graduated in Honey Grove, And I would gotten my last credit online <laughs> after we played in San Antonio, drove to Texas. And since I hadn't changed my address, the school couldn't deny me enrollment. So I enrolled in high school and graduated. Didn't go to school one day my senior year.
1: That, I think you made every high school student jealous with that story, and, and I think people need to realize that the Tyler Bryant story is, you know, not, doesn't happen often. I mean, that's pretty, to play with heart while everyone else is graduating, yeah, you kind of made the right decision, I'm sure, at that moment, I mean, you may have known it before, but I mean, that's, that's insane to me. Like how did Dude, you... the
0: worst grade I ever made in school was in high school band because I kept missing <laughs> marching band games because I was out playing gigs and the one that flunked me was opening for Paul Simon. Mm. and I don't think that the, I don't think that the principal or the band director believes that it was actually what I was doing.
1: <laughs> well, I mean who would I mean what 20 year old is doing these gigs? No that's, yeah so I, how did that's? I guess uh, you know unless I'm missing a step, I want to know how you got to that. Step, because you could be touring with, you know, with, with Twitty playing all these these blues gigs and, and making a nice, you know, resume for yourself, I guess. But how do you make that leap to be playing with the big boys and meeting them? Was it his connections yeah. Did people see you? Like how did how did that happen?
0: We had a few people that saw us like around the Dallas area that would make calls, and I had a fake a fake email address too, you know, and, and I would reach out to people. Posing as a manager because that would be the professional thing if you had a manager. <laughs> sure. And so, like, got an email or got an interview with the Dallas Morning News, you know, after calling the House of Blues box office so many times that they finally let me talk to a booking agent.
2: Hmm.
0: And so I finally talked to this agent. And I was like, I have a CD and I want to open up for Dickie Betts when he comes to town. And he's like, Oh my God, kid, like, you can't just call the box office <laughs> until. You get to talk to me like it's not how this works. And I was like, but I have a band and like we'd be the perfect band to open And it, it was as simple as that. And so the guy,
1: the <laughs> It never is again. though, but it is for you. It's, I'm sorry. I can't this is just well, too it, much It's not but that's like what
0: whenever young kids are like, how did you get where you are? Right. You literally have to sell yourself. You have to hustle You have to play every crappy gig to nobody and make the two people that are there believe that you're the shit, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and, like, you have to start out believing that. And that's what, like, I would just call and sell, try try my hardest to sell myself to these guys, you know, or, or I'm managing this kid who's blah, blah, blah. and Because then you can actually, like, talk yourself up, and it doesn't sound like you have huge – no one's going to take you seriously. Like, like, like hey, man, like, I'm a hot shot. Let me open for – like like, get out of here, kid. You know, so – but this guy took a shot on me, let me open for – Dickie Betts. So I got in touch with the Dallas Morning News and said, "Hey, I got I got a gig coming up. It's going to be my first big gig, opening for Dicky from for Dicky Betts of the Almond Brothers. And you guys should come do a story." And um, and so they did the Dallas, and they did a video and they put it on YouTube. Mm. And the producer of Seinfeld and Will and Grace, this guy Tim Kaiser, saw it, and he was producing this film called Rock Prophecies. And so he he. Figured he would put me in that film, and that film opened some doors, and you know, kind of just it's like one one opportunity sort of snowballed into another. I became friends with the booking agent there at the House of Blues, and so when BB King would come to town, they'd be like, "Hey Tyler, do you want to open for BB?" "Yes, I do." When Etta James came to town, Tyler, wow. do you want to open for Etta? "Yes, I do." When the Archangels would play, when you know blues travel, it's like all these bands. So I was getting to kind of you know, see how these professionals would work. And, you know, I think still to this day, that's what I'm doing. It's like, it's just kind of snowballed. And and we've gotten to share the stage with so many of our heroes. And we're still, you know, just working as hard as we can, playing as many shows a year as we can, writing as much as we can. And just trying to keep the childlike enthusiasm alive, which isn't very hard when you're surrounded by people you admire, you know, but, just to stay inspired and appreciative of the music that, like, excited me as a kid. That's what I'm about. It's like, I, I, like whenever ACDC would kick off, it's like, yes, I remember this. Like, whenever I first heard Hell's Bells, you know? Like, dancing around with my friend Hunter with guitars on, and put, putting devil horns up on her head, being like, we are rock gods,
1: you know? <laughs> sure. And not too many people get to play, you know, with them, and it's just that's why it's and, and it's such a young age to be able to, to, to do it. I mean, you're obviously, you know, you could be have all the, the skills you want and sell yourself, but the, the time when it, it comes to really sell yourself is on stage. So clearly, you know, that was, you know, your your biggest picket. You know, you just kind of had to nudge people in the right direction, or just you know, wave your hand and say, hey, notice me first. But I got to ask about, because one of my favorites ever, obviously, you know, GNR, r have a podcast about it, but BB B. King, and there are plenty of uh, ties with Slash. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, have seen him on his 2002 tour, uh, to, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, 2012 tour um, here on Long Island. And just, you know, I'm, I'm just very, I'm, I'm very appreciative that I got to see him before he passed away. I can't imagine right. what it was like to actually you know, to meet with him and, and to open for him. So uh, any cool B.B. King stories?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the first time I saw him, I believe I was, I, I might have just been, I was either about to turn 16 or I just turned 16 um, because I can't remember. If, I don't think I was legally supposed to be driving yet, but my mom let me borrow her car and I drove two hours to see B.B. B. King in uh, Grand Prairie, Texas. And, it was like you know i remember like he walked out on stage and i had this big emotional moment and i was like wait a second am i am i crying right now because i would mm. you know i'd listened to his record so much and to see him and to, to when he hit the first like three notes kind of the the signature bb king notes it like it just freaked me out it's like this is real man like that's a real human making that sound um and my friend uh Johnny Nelson, who was one of those guys I was saying that kind of helped me out and opened up some opportunities uh, for me as a kid. He's uh he's involved. He's the general manager of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Oh, so he he knows a lot of people in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area and all over the world, really. Um, but but he he said, hey, you know, like let's get you back there tonight. You need to meet BB King. And I remember it was the day before school was starting too, and so I, I was you know two and a half hours away from home and after a show and I was like, I gotta get up so early tomorrow morning to go to school Um, I went back we got back and went on BB's bus and, and I went back to the back lounge and he was sitting there and I think he, he was having dinner and he said oh, you're a guitar player, are you? and I said, yeah, I am he's like, well, I want to hear you play and I said, well, I brought you a CD and I signed it and, you know, thank you for your music you're such an inspiration and, um, you know, just like a, a little thank you to him and he said, come here. And he held my hands and he said, I want you to get high on music and women, no <laughs> drugs. And that was, that was, that's my B.B. King story, man. He got to hold his hands as he gave me some brilliant, brilliant advice that yeah. I have followed. <laughs> to
1: this day. <laughs> that's some good, pretty good advice. I think that needs to be a, a bumper sticker. If you ever run for president, that's your, you know, make America great again slogan, I guess. You know, I want to get a high on music and women. (laughs) Yeah, pretty good one. I know, I love it. And Slash was the one who introduced me to B.B. King. So kind of just like you, I had to work backwards a little bit. And, And discovering the blues that way and wondering why I liked Guns N' Roses more than other hard rock bands. It was that blues influence. And then of course, oh, yeah. you know, learning more about BB B. King and just muddy waters and you know all these, and I, that's where I I feel like maybe my heart goes to first. And it is very cool to hear right. you talk about uh, the punk rock stuff because uh, me as well, you know, kind of the same thing uh, with No Effects and uh, right. yeah, no, that era of uh, of punk rock, which is also seems to be dead now, uh, I, I, which I don't I don't know why. I guess punk rock now, what is it? Five Seconds uh, to Summer? That's what's considered punk rock now.
0: Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I, d- d- I don't know. If that's considered punk, there's something way wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No offense to those guys. You know, they have their place, but that's not punk rock. Man.
1: Yeah, no, I know, I know. It, it's I think the the waters have been muddied to kind of uh, borrow a, a name and, and get creative with it. That Or someone
0: dumped Kool-Aid in the water or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So um, d- did you have, I guess, a big break? Would you consider any? Because these are all, like, big... These are all big breaks, but when do you think you got yeah, your name, Tyler Bryant, and Shakedown out there? And and got to be, you know, I know we touched on it a little bit, opening for ACDC AC, and GNR at the beginning, but, you know, I want to get uh, more into how those gigs arise, but when did you say, like, oh wow, like, people are going to know my name, you know, people know who I am now.
0: Well, I think when I moved to Nashville, I kind of, you know, I really started, um, just throwing myself out there and trying to take as many gigs as I could. um, One of the big, one of the big breaks for me was getting um, an opening slot on Jeff Beck's emotion and commotion tour. And this was actually, you know, like the shakedown was going and we had, um, we just released a record called wild child. It was our first full length album. And Jeff was looking for an acoustic opener. So I had to, you know, basically I, I got, went and got an acoustic guitar and, figured out how to do a solo set to go out and open for Jeff. And that was, you know, because th- those shows were in theaters. And so it's a very like, f- for a big show, it's, it's still fairly intimate when there's, you know, 2,000 people, but they can all see your face and they can, you can relate to them. And so and when I was playing these acoustic sets, it felt like I could relate to a lot of those fans because we, you know, it was Jeff Beck tour, like we all listen to the same music. And so I, I think I gained a lot of momentum from doing that. And Jeff would have me out to to jam with his band every night. I would go out and do the encore with, with him, which as like for me, like Jeff was one of my biggest heroes and influences growing up. So that was, that was so rewarding. And probably still to this day, one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do. Um, But that, that kind of led to then a tour with Jeff Beck and ZZ Top, because Jeff and I had a good relationship that he recommended me for that tour and so that led to ZZ Top Dates which led to Billy Gibbons dates and you know you know, a bunch of different bands in between too but
1: it was I guess. Is there, I mean I read that there and this is just I never thought I would even mention this band's name on this podcast and I'm pretty you know I'll go anywhere I'll talk about Mozart to Gaga to whatever but Smash Mouth were they involved kind of getting you? <laughs>
0: No, the, the, no, we did, I'll tell you what, we did the weirdest gig of all time. Okay. It was really fun. It was really fun. I don't even know how that, like, pe- people bring that up all the time, like, like, what was it like playing with Smash Mouth? Like, well, dude, I heard what, you were, we like, played...
1: discovered there by someone. It wasn't just, like, playing with them. I'm not going to be the cheesy, oh, you know, Smash no, Mouth, ha ha. No, you you want to
0: know where we played? Yeah. We played a Boy Scout convention with Smash
1: Mouth. Uh, that's kind of, I don't know what else to say, but that's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, we played a Boy that's... Scout convention. Um, And it was in Pennsylvania, I believe, and it was like 13,000 Boy Scouts in a big field. It was, it was badass, I thought. I mean, we had, we had fun. It was like at the time, we'd never played to that many people before, but it was like a sea of khaki. Um, <laughs> yeah. I you mean, know, like at an, AC, at an ACDC show, it's like a sea of devil horns. At a Boy Scout show, it's like... Receive totem poles, you know. Um, That's so it, it was.
1: Cool. I'm glad you had it fun. That just sounds so weird.
0: <laughs> no, I know. That's it. We were. We were like. I was probably like 18 or something too. Like it was. We were so young, and it was just like. Um, I remember it being a really fun show, and the, and we we didn't even like. I didn't, I've never even met any of the guys from Smash Mouth, but we we listened to a couple songs of theirs before we split, and they sounded like the record does, you know. So sure. or like whatever the 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 I really only know a couple of songs. Somebody
2: wants told me
0: You know, they sounded good and uh, but that was our only affiliation with them. Um okay. the, the biggest the biggest break we got honestly was the A C D C tour. That that was sort of the first time that you know, I mean I've lived in Nashville for so long and I still take meetings here and people are like, So where do you live? And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of music in Nashville, um, but sure. there's not, a, there's and there's a lot of established rock bands who live here, like, you know, Alison Mozart from The Kills is here, the Kings of Leon guys are here, Jack White's here, but there's not a huge up-and-coming rock presence. And so that was like, whenever we got the ACDC tour, that was sort of the first time that Nashville started giving us our props. Mm. I mean, a little bit, not, not even that much, but... Um, It started opening doors around the world for us.
1: Nashville, I mean, obviously that's where, you know, country is now. And it's becoming, you know, it's becoming like an Austin, Texas, I guess, where it has an up-and-coming scene. But again, in in addition to, you know, the different topics I take this podcast with, it's just what is the up-and-coming scene and how does it diversify, whether it's across the states here or in different countries. So, you know, does that... Do you feel like you want to lead that charge in, in, in the upcoming, you know, rock bands? Or does it frustrate you that people, maybe your your contemporaries, other young bands aren't into blues, aren't into rock, that it may be, you know, I, the SoundCloud rap? I mean, I don't even know what's cool nowadays. I have no idea. Justin Timberlake, I guess, is is cool. And like, uh, yeah, I guess that was. Um, He's good. Cool.
0: He's really good.
1: He is good, but I was insanely. I mean, isn't, I'm always in bitter just because I'm a Giants fan, and that game I didn't care who won. Uh, but right. I was just bored at halftime. Like, yeah, I would have been happy with it. I didn't see it. Okay, I mean, there was no, there was no in sync reunion. I would have been uh, okay with that. But it was. I guess kept thinking, this over Guns N' Roses. I, I can't imagine what a G and R reunion would do uh um oh yeah at be so sick. at, at halftime I, I i just can't even imagine uh do you remember what it was like that first acdc show cuz i mean you had already had played with a bunch of big acts you know jeff beck and bb king you know has you do you ever get nervous cuz you just seem to be going along with the flow and these wonderful well, things I'd, keep happening you,
0: that so i guess that was 2 years ago now and that year started out in january we played our first stadium gig um, as Chris Cornell's backing band. right. And so that was a thing where, that's a whole other long story. Like we, Graham and I got invited to play in Los Angeles for Jimmy Page's photo book release party. And so we played a Zeppelin Yard Yardbirds medley for Jimmy Page and some of his closest friends. And so we're sitting in front of Jimmy Page, Ringo Starr, Chris Cornell, Joe Perry, Billy Gibbons, Kirk Hammett, like, all of our heroes. Like wow. I was talking about nervous. Like I started to play, and we're playing Zep songs per page.
2: <laughs> and
0: I looked down, and my hand was like eight inches away from the strings. And I was like, uh, "Like push it back. You can do." Like <laughs> freaking out a little bit. You know, it's like okay, there's a beetle right there. Yep. And mm. Joe Walsh introduced us. So that was that was pretty pretty full on.
1: Okay. Um, I just want to I, see I, how human I've, you are, because everything seems to be so gravy. But, yeah, I can't... No, Im- dude, no. I mean, I, <laughs> we have our moments. We're, we're, you know... I'm teasing. Those are the
0: situations that are very humbling, and it reminds you that you're not made of steel. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, but that's when um Chris Cornell heard Graham and I play, and he had written a song for this movie called 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, and was playing at the premiere AT and T Stadium in Tex in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I guess it's Arlington, something like that. But he he reached out to us about coming to be his band. So we we went and got to uh, we did Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog, and I got to sing the Eddie Vedder part with Cornell, and we and we rehearsed in this little locker room in Texas stadium. And, and that was a very nerve wracking thing for me. Cause I'm singing with one of my favorite voices and you know, it's in a room smaller than the bedroom where I grew up, that kind of thing. Like that was just pretty full on, but that was sort of one of the turning points for me where I kind of said like, okay, anything is possible. Like if, if we, if we're getting to play with Chris Cornell in a stadium, we can do anything. And then like not a week later, we got invited to join Billy Gibbons' solo tour. And and before that tour was even over, that's when our manager called. We were somewhere in Florida, I believe, and he goes, Hey, um, in three days, you've, you're going to be playing with ACDC. Or three or four days, something like that. And he said, and it's basically an audition. If Angus likes you, then you'll get the rest of the American tour. If he doesn't like you, then... You go home,
1: so I, <laughs> no pressure.
0: Yeah, and so the band, the band left the Billy Gibbons tour, and I kind of carried on playing solo acoustic to try to fill out as many days as I could. Meanwhile, they're going to Nashville. They bought a new we, you know, the van we'd been touring in was broken down and you know pretty shitty. So they went and bought a van, had to get it registered, get new brakes on it, do you know whatever, all that stuff get road cases for all our amps, rent bigger amps cuz we you know, we had we've been playing acoustic opening for Billy Gibbons. So we didn't even rehearse. So they're doing all this stuff having to put a crew together. You can't go and start three arena shows without even a tour manager or a guitar tech.
1: You would like you know? not to think so. No.
0: <laughs> and so cuz we were out touring acoustic, which you don't need you don't need a crew for that. You're walking in with guitars and maybe an amp. Sure. And so it was it was really You know, the first ACDC show, the band had driven 46 hours without stopping. Meanwhile, I'm in a rental car following around the Billy Gibbons tour, playing (laughs) an acoustic set while these guys are driving through Snoqualmie Pass. You know, they have so many stories about, you know, just sliding and feeling like they were going to wreck Oh. you know, on the highway to Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And our first show was at the Tacoma Dome, and that was the first time we had played electric in three months as our audition for Angus.
1: Unreal. That, I, that's, you can't make that stuff up.
0: No, I know. And then some, someone from their team came back and said, yeah, well, we'll be seeing a lot more of you guys. <laughs> and, and then someone else goes, shh, that's not decided yet. And so they kind of <laughs> let us know that we were still hanging out in the balance.
1: Oh, jeez. Uh, what was it like? And, uh, uh, was Angus maybe perhaps in in the balcony, and, and kind of like in Gladiator, and he has the thumb I and you don't know really if it's going to go, go up or down?
0: My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to decide the fate. I really didn't know how it was going to work, and they didn't even tell us after the third show because I ran into um, – I ran into it, someone on the, on the team and I was like, have you, like a tour manager or something said, have you heard anything? Like, do we go on? He's like, no, I haven't heard anything. And then someone goes, well, I think we ordered a drum riser for you guys. And I said, well, that's, that's a good sign. You know? <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm, you talk about like something that will keep you awake at night. Like going, does Angus Young think we're the worst band ever? Are they looking for a new band? What's Like that Would how, how do you come back from that?
1: I don't know. I mean, you're given an opportunity. I mean, you perform well. I mean, you perform for other big acts, and I don't know. Maybe it would be like you're going on a on a first date and be like, "What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong?" Oh, it's not you, it's me. But thankfully, you didn't have to, yeah. you know, ask yourself those questions. Just one bad night. Well, you of, know what we asleep. did?
0: Mm-hmm. We after the after the third show in Denver, um, we just decided we were going to drive to the next show. We were just going to. It was in Fargo. Was the fourth show, and so we drove to Fargo, and we ran into Angus's wife in the hallway and said, "Like, hey, have you, have you heard anything? Like, are we on? Oh, you know, did we get this tour?" She goes, "Oh yeah, Angus decided <laughs> after the after the first show that he wanted you guys to do it."
1: Oh, you know, there was probably middle management that didn't want you to say anything yet. Angus was probably like, "Oh, oh yeah, they're great."
0: Oh, there was some. There were probably. they were probably like. I think honestly, they had bigger fish to fry than like who's opening. You know, that's like the last thing that any tour decides, really. You know, unless they're hurting for ticket sales. And True. ACDC wasn't hurting for ticket sales.
1: No, but you know, you were in emotional turmoil. You know, why would I, you know <laughs> you want their little Tyler to be uh, <laughs> restless at night?
0: But uh, oh, it, tell me about it. Yeah, I, I I called my girlfriend and I said, hey, I, you know, I I want you to fly out to Denver. Uh, to see us with ACDC in case we never get to play with ACDC again, mm. and, and so she came out and basically saw me just like pacing around a hotel room, going like, "Like, are we gonna get this tour? You know?" Unreal. Um, and so then, I think it was after two more shows, um, their team came to us and said, "Hey, do you guys want to do the European tour as well?" we should warn you that you may get stuff thrown at you and you could potentially get booed off the stage because the the European fans can be very intense. You know, I mean, these are people who've seen ACDC play, you know, 15, 20 times. They've got their patches on their denim jackets. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's it's just like they've created a culture. And so, You do have to be careful when you're walking into a situation where you are essentially the plastic wrap on the album that people have been camped outside of the record store to get on release day. And so we said, you know what? We've always wanted to tour in Europe. We've never had the opportunity. We will do it. We will take the chance. If they boo us, they can boo for our entire set. We will not walk off stage. You know? And the first night in Portugal, the crowd was chanting... Play, just play, just play, just play. And they were standing in the rain, and everyone was anticipating Axel. And we went out and had one of the best shows of our lives. And it, th- that whole tour was just—it was, you know, it was mind blowing. I just still can't believe it happened.
1: Uh, I mean, that's—that's that's what I liked when any of this stuff. I can't believe it has happened, and you're living the life. So when, because I know you, we we I talked about briefly before when you had no idea if the tour was going to be canceled, and then you found out, like the rest of us, I guess, on TMZ, about those leaked uh, photos of Axel and ACDC possibly uh, re- uh, rehearsing together. So right, right. When when you officially knew and you found out, it's like, okay, this tour is going to continue with Axel Rose, Axel DC, uh, did you meet, uh, did you know any of the GNR guys beforehand, or did you meet them like when did you uh, come cross paths with any of the guys in the band, let alone uh, Axel.
0: No, man, I'd never met. I'd never met anyone. Um, Graham, the other guitarist in our band, knew he like he kind of knew Slash a little bit because Graham's father is uh, Brad Whitford of Aerosmith. Right. So, which also, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there, had absolutely nothing to do with us getting ACDC or GNR. That's something that a lot of people. Assume like I even talked to a friend the other day who who said you know how much did you guys have to pay to get on the ACDC tour? And it's like, dude, we've been touring in a van for nine years. Like, what do you think we have to pay? You know, monopoly money. Like we, right? <laughs> you know, those guys were kind enough to pay us to do. We would have done it for nothing. We would have done it for McDonald's gift cards, man. <laughs> um, but so Grant, Grant had he had known met Slash before just because you know Slash and his dad. Or pals. Yeah, networking. Yeah. You
1: know, and I was lucky enough to see uh, Whitford St. Holmes a few years ago, which is a nice little oh, tour. Oh, cool! Right on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, we—I didn't know anybody from you know personally. I mean, I knew everyone in the band. You know, just the, I knew they're playing, and I knew you know some of the history, but I didn't. You know, I never met anybody. All right. And we so- still didn't. I still didn't meet Axel until you know eight or ten shows in. I've met him for the first time at Olympic Stadium in London we did two nights there with ACDC and then we did we actually got to do and then I think we did two nights there with GNR too hmm. um, but we met met Axel there and that's when he was he was like so like you guys want to come do some, some dates with my band <laughs> and then we did our first show with GNR in Cincinnati
1: what was it like meeting him for the first time because you know we discussed what it's like seeing BB King for the first time and you know what about uh, what about Axel? Because you always hear he has such a, a presence about him, but you know despite oh he definitely does yeah. But there, I mean, there it, I always find interesting that there are people who are scared of him, but he always comes off super nice. That's always the consistent story. So uh, obviously, you know, uh, you're thankful to him for taking you on tour. But what was that first? meeting was he dressed like an outlaw with the, the the aviators and the hat like what was it what was he like
0: uh well we, we went into his dressing room so it's very really, like a you know a comfortable spot where i think he, you know he's he still looked cool you know like he just played a show but it, it was just very low-key you know Like we we're not the kind of band that will ever go knock on somebody's door and like try to hang out or you know get questions get questions answered like i'm not gonna ask angus about his amps or you know like stuff like that you know it's like we just kind of went in and said yo you know great show thanks for having us and he, he said uh yeah you know I, I heard you guys when I got out of the car in uh in Lisbon which is probably one of the only times he's heard us live because normally he shows up right as he's going on stage
2: yeah he, he can you know, do he, it he somehow sho-
0: yeah yeah he shows up you know he shows up and walks on stage And so, but I think since that was the first night with ACDC, he had gotten there a little bit before the show, and uh, he said he he heard us as he was getting out of his car, and he said, I thought to myself, it's nice to have an opening band that I don't have to fucking ignore.
1: (laughs) Jesus. I wonder what the deeper meaning of that is, but uh, that's a a nice compliment.
0: Yeah. I guess it's, it's kind of a compliment. I mean, it's kind of not, too, but i was just like well hey man we'll take it that's you know that's cool <laughs> and he said i don't remember i should have written down exactly what he said but he's like you know you can tell that you guys are influenced by older music but it's it sounds new and fresh and yeah i mean right it's great having y'all and so that that was cool you know and it's the same thing that kind of with angus where he was like yeah you know you guys remind me kind of of uh of free and you know but it's different and, You know, it was just it was just cool, you know, that those guys were that they took the time to listen to it and kind of showed us that, you know, that they had taken the time and gave us a little bit of respect when they didn't have to. And man, I mean, that means so much.
1: I, I, I can't even imagine. It's just so funny. Now I'm, I was visualizing Axel just getting out of I don't know a limo or an escalator or whatever, and he just hears you getting out of his car, uh, and that was enough for him. And that was enough for him. But he he, um, he has that kind of ear, you know. A few episodes. He's also
0: got a he's got a, a great group of people around him sure. too. You know that it, like he kind of travels with his family essentially, and yes, and you know I think those those guys are looking out for the best interest of of him and and we became friends with a lot of them and and uh you know that's that's kind of like those those guys have axles back and you know essentially what you want of an opening band is people to get you want the crowd to be riled up and ready for the headliner and so it's like kind of our mission opening for acdc was to go out there with as much gratitude as we could and to go out and perform as A C D C fans, you know, to where it's like, hey, we're just playing rock and roll right now, but A C D C's about to play. And uh and that's like we when you know, we would talk to Angus every now and then and he'd be like, he really had him roaring tonight <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> where it's like you know, you want the headliner to hear the crowd screaming so that they know that you're doing a good job or at least doing something.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I have one. I want to get to a couple of uh, fan questions because I was kind of overwhelmed um, about the response when I announced that you were coming on. And you know, I think you obviously earned a lot of new fans being on those uh, ACDC and GNR tours. So uh, Jan from Germany wants to know your favorite ACDC and uh, GNR album.
0: Oh man, uh, Back in Black is my favorite ACDC album, just because it was it was my you know, that was my first one that I heard. Those were the first riffs that I ever heard of ACDC. Um, and the same thing for Appetite, man. Like, the guy that played me those albums was a one of my friends in school. Uh, Hunter Joyce, his father, Marshall, had guitars. And he played me Appetite, and he played me Back in Black for the first time. And so that was, you know, those are those are still to this day my favorite ACDC and Gene r records.
1: Right on. You can't argue uh, with much with those. Uh, so oh. since you kind of you've opened for A C D C Axel DC, I know that's not the official name, but that's you know, it's fun to say. Uh and then of course Guns N' Roses. Was there any difference between I guess those three um tours, I guess? I don't know if you can say, I know A- A- AC/DC was technically the same tour, but was there anything different for you? Were you any did you get any warning? Maybe perhaps for opening for GNR, like you did for ACDC, since that was a reunion for them, and you know fans are rabid. How they're gonna react to you? Uh, so, yeah, th- I know there's a couple questions in there, but uh, I'll let you um, take it from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're very different. We didn't really get any warning about GNR, We just they kind of GNR treated us great, man. I mean, like our first show we did with them, we had like 50 comp tickets, so we invited a bunch of our friends. And, family members down from Nashville to come watch us in cincinnati and the thing is uh, like what i learned pretty pretty quickly is like the gnr backstage vibe is way different than the acdc vibe which is like the acdc vibe is you're rarely going to see anybody um and it's just super quiet backstage and the gnr vibe has more of a you know I mean they're known for their backstage parties you know obviously like everyone everyone has their own green room and um, but it was I think that we we kind of went into it just kind of like I remember uh, Geo, one of the head security guys like getting on to one of my buddy for he was like taking a picture of one of us backstage he's like hey no cameras man that kind of thing and we're like oh we have to be a little bit we have to walk on eggshells a little bit more mm. here you know and then and then now it's like, we, you know, it was a lot of the same crew. That's the thing is it, it didn't even feel like we were on a different tour aside from the fact that there were just a lot more dressing rooms. You know, each band member pretty much has their own green room on the Guns Tour and ACDC. It's like, there's ACDC's green room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like there's ACDC's green room and then there's Axel's green room. Okay, where's ours? You know, that kind of thing. Um, right on. So it's just, it's, just, it's just a different vibe, but the crew is pretty much the same. So, you know, once we kind of met the few people that we didn't know, it was smooth sailing.
1: Incredible. Uh, so what's the, you know, now that you've gotten so much exposure and you're, you're still so young in your career, even though you've been doing it for, forever, I guess it's a I feel the same way. Yeah, I said I'm 34 before I've been in radio for 15 years, but I'm still getting, you know, 50-year-old radio guys. like, Yeah, hey, you're a baby. You know, I find gray hairs in my beard. You know, you've been playing, you know, like you said, I mean, maybe not for real since you were six, but you've been playing since you were six. Uh, what's the, the end goal, or are you already living it? I mean, I also was getting questions like, well, how come they're not on a headlining tour yet? Uh, that that well, many point. of my fans feel that you have already earned that slot to be on one.
0: Well, we just we just did our, our first headlining right. tour across Europe, actually. Which okay. Was, which was really fun, you know I mean? We went back and and hit a lot of the markets that we hit with, you know, ACDC and g and like, you know, and and it was was pretty cool to to play. We played some sold-out shows. We played a sold-out show in London and, you know, a couple in France and, you know, just random spots. And we're planning on going back for more headlining dates in Europe this year as well as in America and South America.
1: Awesome. Because this is all in support of your your new album, which just came out just a few months ago, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and so we've kind of been taking this, the like the first couple months of this year, because we're we're going on the road in March uh, with a band called Blackberry Smoke. Sure. um, Yeah. Kind of around America, Um, but we've been we've already been uh, writing and recording new material because our plan is to go ahead and just get on the road and start. You know, I mean, we've we've done, you know, 150 to, you know, 250 ish dates for the last two years per year. Um, so like once we once we kind of get on the road we we pretty much stay there um so we, we've just kind of been working on new music to have have some bullets in the chamber so we can just keep firing once we get gone
1: they'll already be working on new music when you guys put it out, which is is amazing I mean you're probably like that though that's probably the creative process like it never ends
0: well I mean I moved to Nashville to be a songwriter, so you know i I did you know publishing deals to sustain myself so I wouldn't have to to get a nine to five job and, um,
1: you and me both you
0: know, like, the, yeah. And so I, you know, I, I still write for other artists when I'm home and, and do okay. production stuff. And, you know, like the last take down record, you know, I'd say 95% of it was, was recorded in in my house, you know, in my home studio. And, and so that's just kind of a thing where it's like, a, we, it's like an alcoholic living in a bar, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a fair analogy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it, so, and that's so, that's cool. I mean, more to look forward to from uh, from you and The Shakedown.
0: Yeah, and we still have seven songs that are unreleased from... We released an, uh, an EP called The Wayside that was supposed to be a full-length album, but w- at the time we were on uh, Republic Records, which is a, a major label, and they were all about EPs because apparently that's a hip thing to do. So we have seven songs that we just kind of got to go ahead that we can release those too. So we're trying to figure out where those songs are going to fit into the year.
1: So what's the uh, the end result for you? I mean, you're in in, your, in a wish list because you're playing with people, you know, I don't want to say ACDC's towards the end because it seems like they have new life with Axel, but you're playing with, you know, ACDC and, and G&R already have their stamp in rock and roll history, no matter what they do from here on out. And you're making your own. So what do you, how do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to continue with the shakedown? Do you want to branch out to maybe, because you mentioned acting, or do you, like, what do you want to do? Uh, I don't want to say it oh, like this, yeah. but when you grow up, you know, as you continue to grow, as we all continue to grow, what are some of the more things you want to uh, want to accomplish?
0: I think for the future, you know, I, I, I really don't have any interest in doing anything other than um just writing songs, making records, and touring, you know, I don't, I don't want to act. I don't want to okay. do anything. Anything other than that. It's just, you know, I, I I want to make I want to make rock and roll records with the Shakedown and play rock and roll shows while my knees are still good, um, <laughs> you know. And I'm one of these days I, I want to make a, like a full-on blues record, you know, like okay. maybe when I'm when I'm older, you know, and and uh, I, you know, that's that's kind of the thing. It's like early on, a lot of people were pissed off when I started playing. Rock and roll, man. But I remember hearing the Black Crows and going, "Dude, this is just the blues." Right. With long hair and torsion, and and they and they looked like they were having so much fun, and it was like a gang up on stage. Like you could tell, like they were like a band of brothers. And uh, I just wanted that kind of camaraderie with a band, and I found that with the Shakedown. and I feel so lucky to have, you know, found a group of guys that are down with just traveling the world and putting on. And like high energy rock shows every night, and uh, you know I write I write all kinds of music as well. You know, like so, well, you know, one of these days I'll probably make make a record with with more of my acoustic um, singer songwriter songs. You know, like my story songs about growing up, and you know, songs about people that inspired me, and you know, just my, some of my more like personal acoustic songs. But right now my my focus is on this like whole rock and roll revolution that's happening and you know just to to make sure we're doing everything we can to be one of the bands that's carrying the flag for that
1: right on and you seem to be doing that and i gotta thank uh, just like you did i gotta thank angus young and axel rose for introducing me to uh, tyler bryant in the in the shakedown i'm I'm sure i would have discovered you down the line anyway but I, i you know found out about you quicker this way uh, I hope to then um, you know when you do announce US dates that I get to see you, you know whether it's opening for Axel DC or whatever it is or of course the headlining show, which would be Where um,
0: are you based out of again?
1: Uh, I live on Long Island but I work in New York okay. City, so I try, I like going to shows on Long Island because I like parking lots <laughs> and the city is always just a pain in the ass. but um, yeah, you know, regardless. I just got tickets to well I am seeing Buckethead. He's playing BB uh, Kings uh, in I believe in March and I just got tickets to see the original Misfits.
0: I think we're playing, we're playing in New York City. We're doing the Mercury Lounge. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, okay, yeah. I have a lot of local band friends uh, that play that. It's a nice little spot. So, uh, But you haven't announced yeah, not, those dates yet, no, though.
0: Oh, Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I just put my foot in my mouth. Oh, well. <laughs> you, Leave it
1: at. <laughs> you, hey, you never know. It's really funny. When I had um, Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon, uh, on and he was telling me some dates that they were playing in New York and I'm looking for them online and they weren't didn't even exist. So he told me dates before they I guess officially announced it, which I appreciate. So if they're not up yet, we'll all be on the lookout on uh, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown.com and I know Yeah,
0: you- man, you know that's a, that's the thing is it's there's so much that goes into routing a tour and uh, you know, sometimes dates are there and then two other dates will go away and that'll that'll make it not make sense financially to, to to drive from somewhere point a to b and so then you know it's like that's why that's why you have to stagger announces a lot of times you know we get we dude, I i just got a message from somebody the other day that was like you're such a piece of shit how come you're not coming to texas it's like actually we are coming to texas we just haven't announced the dates yet
1: and why would it's you canceled. want to play for someone that calls you a piece of shit
0: Oh, I don't. I have no...
1: no at all. <laughs> People, <laughs> fans are so stupid sometimes. <laughs> I, I want to like see you, you fucking days. asshole. Dates
0: are going to be announced tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. I guess you could look at it like that guy doesn't know uh, how to communicate properly, but he seems to be a fan of yours, even though he thinks yeah. you're a piece of shit. <laughs>
0: hey, man, I'm just like, I don't even try to understand anymore. Just show up and... In
1: play, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, shut up and sing, I guess that's what uh, Axel exactly. wants. Uh, he says, and then and, and sorry, uh, I can't wait. And you're also pretty big on Twitter, right? At tbs, uh, was it tbshakedown? That's what it is, right? At TBShakedown?
0: Yeah, tbshakedown, and then my personal one is the Tyler Bryant,
1: right? On and you already have like you don't need to change your name, you don't need Axel Rose. Tyler Bryant just sounds like you know, when I first saw your picture, I thought you were the actor from what's that movie, um. It was with the Dwight from The Office. You played like a drummer.
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I. I think it was
1: called the rock star or the drummer or whatever. But of course, the uh, oh. you know, take this in, in, as a sign of you know respect. The dreamy lead singer was the love interest of Emma Stone, and so you kind of look like him a little bit. I thought that was. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, you can get Emma Stone according to my my imagination. So good for you, I guess. Right on. See, I always end, start, and my end my uh, interviews very awkward. So that's just kind of my deal. See, I just turn on the mic and and just start. What ha- whatever happens, happens. Just like you, you kind of do it.
0: It's like me getting on stage without. A guitar yeah, yeah. It's just, sometimes it's really? like
1: yeah, I'm just like awkward and weird about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I know how to do this. Just do it. You know. So now I've just learned to embrace my awkwardness and and sell that so that's what i'm doing like you're selling tyler bryant i'm selling the weird awkward brando so that's what's love it <laughs> awesome uh tyler i mean this was um a, a pleasure I'm, I'm so happy to quote unquote meet you if you're ever you know in new york city and you have time uh, i would love for you to come down to the studio and, and and meet you uh otherwise i hope to actually you know to see you out on the road i want to see you guys uh live i'm 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 a huge fan now
0: yeah, man, come to Shakedown Show sometime, and uh, you gotta check out the new record. And, and um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Hopefully, hopefully uh, more more GNR uh, to come. I know they're I know they're going on tour, so who knows? Maybe the Shakedown will end up on some more.
1: I, yeah, no, I I would totally be down for that. I saw um, last time there was no opener, and uh, Lenny Kravitz was the one a couple summers ago, which is great. So I mean, that's always a point with GNR fans, especially in this not in this lifetime tour, this legendary tour that you are now forever a part of, all the unique picks to be opening acts. And it's, you know, it's very cool what they're doing. And I think the fan base, the GNR fan base is looking at in these opening acts as no one willy-nilly. Like, these are hand-picked by Axel and the guys. We got to pay attention. You know, we want to go see them in addition to our, you know, heroes. So it is very cool. Yeah. And like I said, they introduced, uh, me to you and a lot of people who reached out to me when i found uh, when i announced that you were coming on the same thing that's awesome yeah so it is uh pretty cool and you know if you need anything else you're always welcome back if you want to talk about you know the blues or anything else doesn't always have to be gnr or uh axel or acdc related my universe oh yeah uh, appreciate talking
0: uh, about that stuff man because i'm just such a fan you know it's like you know, we. It, I just feel lucky to even have stories about the G&R guys. Like, like the first time I met Slash, actually someone snapped a picture when we met, and he was telling us that he he got our, a copy of our EP and it was in his car, and he thought it sounded cool, and we're like, that's nuts, like the <laughs> man, you right. know. So I I, I'm, I get to I get to like talking about some of this stuff, relive some of like the most exciting times in my life, and and I feel okay. like a douchebag, Bragging about it t- to my friends, you know, because it's like, you know, like okay, dude, we get it. You are with and I'm like, did I tell you what got right on there? Did, did, did I tell you what Jeff said? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, man. I do.
1: None of my friends yeah. are like, oh, I'm talking to Tyler Bryan today. Though, and and some knew, uh, some didn't. But when I told my GNR universe, everybody knew. Oh my god! So I need a place, and that's what this podcast is. You know, it's a place for rock and roll fans yes g&r guns and roses is the hook to get us in here but it's just a place for us to talk and geek out about what we love and who we love so i appreciate I that it. so yeah whatever um always feel free to reach out um you're always more than welcome uh and definitely want to talk to you more about just guitars and uh you know what you, your thoughts on you don't have to go here because i know you had to go but like talk about buckethead and and uh, Bumblefoot and, of course, Slash and just what different guitarists added to their sound. And, you know, uh, and hopefully next time we talk, uh, maybe we'll get some more news on Axel DC and you can give us more more insight or more opinion on that. But in the meantime, yeah, man. awesome, Tyler. All thank right, thank you so much. Take care. You too, buddy. Later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. How cool was that, man? I mean, 26 years old playing. He's played for B.B. King, of course. ACDC, axel DC, Guns N' Roses. Seems like like such a down to earth dude. Just uh, another cool experience, another cool conversation we got to have here uh, on the AFD show. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you know all the the reaction that I get from you when I announce a new guest and and the support. You know that's why I continue to do this. Is is you? So the more episodes I do, I did mention this last time. I do want to start getting back into interviewing you. You know, I do have that one standalone episode right now of um, interviewing, uh, you know, Sir Kevin from Ireland, uh, my first uh, fan spotlight, and also uh, had an episode of uh, PTIRS. Do you remember that? Welcome to PTIRS.
0: The show of competitive better. Here's
1: Brando. So, yes, I do want to have another Guns N' Roses game show episode. I want to do more. So... As this continues, this podcast continues. Uh, these will all be options, and uh, for us to to have fun. And how you can help is just tell your Guns N' Roses fan friends, and, and just tell your rock and roll fan friends about us. About us. Uh, we been getting some awesome reviews on iTunes. That helps. I really want to get ranked in the top one hundred and fifty in the music uh, category on uh, iTunes and or uh, Apple Podcasts. It's you know the same thing. They're trying to rebrand. Uh, but that's gonna get us uh noticed. Uh, I I will mention because this was confirmed another interview because it does help when we get noticed, and that's why guests say yes to us. So in the future, most likely the next uh, next episode is gonna be Todd Dammit Kearns, of course from the conspirators, plays with uh with Slash. So I'm looking forward to that. So you're helping me. You're you're m- giving this podcast. Uh, you're making it valid validity. Okay, And that's going to help us get more guests in the future. So uh, follow us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Uh, of course, iHeartRadio, the app, Spreaker. Uh, what else are we on? SoundCloud. That's yes, right. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, both at The AFD Show. And we're going to continue to have fun, continue to talk Guns N' Roses and uh, rock and roll. And hopefully... Make you laugh and uh, provoke some thoughts in the process. So as far as the next episode of the AFD show is concerned, when will you see it? Well, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.
0: You've been listening to the distorted minds of Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. mass security,
2: I'm going home.